we see the chaos swirling around us. And yet you are true and your word is truth. And therefore we come to you this morning. Please speak to us through your living word. May your spirit penetrate our dullness of mind and heart and change us as only your spirit can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn together to the Epistle of Paul to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whomsoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have not been called, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, 
of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I've read the entire chapter. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel before the Lord to pray. Holy God, who we address this morning on bended knees, dear Father, and we would that it would be bended hearts also. Dear Father, the one who is in heaven, who is removed from, from man, who is so far above us, who we cannot comprehend with our minds, and yet who is near through the Holy Spirit, who is inside of us speaking right now. Dear Father, we pray to Thee. We worship Thee, dear Father, through Jesus Christ. Dear Father, we are unworthy. We acknowledge this, dear Father. We are beings of flesh that are often led astray by our flesh, that are often willingly not mindful of Thee, not submissive to Thee, proud. Dear Father, in our natural state, we are completely opposed to Thee, dear Father. But we know through Thy grace and Thy goodness, we can respond to the gospel. We are given a choice. It doesn't have to be this way. We can bend the knee willingly. Dear Father, this morning hour, as we come before Thee to worship Thee, to read Thy word, to think about what it says, dear Father, to not only try to understand what it says, dear Father, but to understand what Thou art saying to us, to our lives, the lives that we desire to live in the Spirit, that we desire to walk in the Spirit. Dear Father, help us. We are weak, dear Father. Often we do have a fleshly mind that is not after the things of Christ, the things that pertain to the kingdom, the, the heavenly home to which we all profess a longing for. Dear Father, help us to, through the power of thy Spirit, parse that out this morning. Dear Father, we thank thee for this gathering. We are indeed very thankful for a moment like this in time, in a busy week uh, that goes by so quickly with so many activities, so many necessary things that have to be done, dear Father. And then we realize that this moment here around thy word with our loved ones gathered in this place is precious, it's sweet, dear Father. We pray that this would not just be a moment, that it would have eternal weight, that it would have fruit in our lives, that it would work to the good of thy kingdom and to the good of those that we love, even in this time, this hour that we have here. Dear Father, we know that this is all possible through the Holy Spirit. It is thy desire for us, and it is as we are willing, dear Father, as we lay down our wills, the wills that we have been freely given, dear Father, that, that this can be accomplished through the power of thy Spirit. 
We thank thee for this. We pray for the brother, for a double portion of thy spirit upon him to saturate his thoughts, his heart, his emotions, everything, that he would be offered up as a sacrifice. And dear Father, that we would be so inspired to do likewise. We pray for those that couldn't be here, dear Father, those that are restricted by old age, that are, their bodies are uh, frail, uh, maybe the weather is difficult to travel in. Dear Father, we pray for thy spirit to be poured out in their lives too, uh, that he, he would make himself known to them in a special way. We pray for those that are uh, running from thee, those that are re resisting thee, dear Father, be persistent with them. We know thou art. We, we pray for patience on our, in our minds and diligence and perseverance in prayer on our behalf too. Dear Father, we thank thee for all these things. We pray them in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord, the one we look to now and receive such confidence and such joy from. Amen. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Have you ever felt that tension? that inner struggle, the two wrestling as Romans 7 talks about these two laws, the one driving you to immediate fulfillment of, of, of base desires, and the other calling you to something higher, trying to stop you from doing the things you know you're going to be ashamed of, trying to encourage you to do the things that you want to, but can't. The Bible explains who you are and gives you an understanding of what's really going on inside. This isn't something that you explain from a rational evolutionary basis. This is a... a, a I remembered talking to the many people who came from mainland China initially and, and understanding their worldview. And, you know, from them and as from many people inside, man is basically good. They, they, they have good motives. It's just society that fails them. It's just the structure of society. If we can just fix the way politics and government works Everybody could flourish. And yet, this struggle is universal. This struggle has the most empirical evidence of anything, if you want to be evidence-based, is that there is something in us that is corrupt. And that comes out as the the works of the flesh that results in all these things we read about. We read about, and, and, and 
We need to take time to define these things because flesh and spirit, the word flesh, you might think, okay, we're talking about the, the, the physical body and sarco is the, the Greek word for your body. But we're not just talking about your blood and sinews and, and, and um, it's not about your, your physical body versus your spiritual self. This flesh, when we read what the Bible's talking about, is talking about, when it uses the word carnal, fleshly, it's talking about your desires that are inherently selfish and, and end up leading you to destructive actions. I mean, let's, let's read together what here we have as good and definition by example as any in verse 19. Now, some of these things you would say, okay, we're talking about physical desires. We're talking about sexual drives. We're talking about, you know, overeating or overdrinking. And, and, and those are in here. We see adultery and fornication and uncleanness, which is, and lasciviousness are all kind of talking about um, your sexual drives taking you outside of God's bounds and leading to actions that are end up being destructive to you physically, to society. Uh, and we can see the, the breaking of marriage bonds and, and spreading of disease and, and, and even the, uh, those who, uh, we have a, a sister who works on campus with um, counsel, as, a, as a nurse and talking about the brokenness of, of the people who come to them thinking, you know, you, know you, you go to school and you think that, you know, this is free and there's no consequences to all these illicit relationships, but there is huge emotional consequences, explainable even through, you know, the, the, the way God has wired our bodies and the hormones that are involved. So these are just, the, these, these desires out of control lead to destruction, but there's more than the physical. Obviously, there's the, we see the drunkenness and, and we see out of control appetites, um, uh, substance abuse, again, a physical drive that is out of control and ends up being destructive. You know, brother was just sharing with me last night, trying to help someone, and, and you just see the, the, the spiral, the negative spiral about how losing their family, losing their house, losing their job, losing their ability to get up in the morning and be productive, and now in jail and, and at risk of you know, losing everything, and, and the negative spiral and of destruction that happens when we let ourselves be driven by our desires. But we see that it's not just physical desires here in the flesh. And that's why we need to, to broaden our definition of flesh beyond physical desires and appetites to even uh, our motives, our base motives. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, a lot of these things like variants and emulations, we're talking about divisions, we're talking about uh, 
uh, one-upmanship. We're talking about stepping on other people and being proud and puffing ourselves up and wrath and anger and fighting, um, envying. These aren't physical desires. They're not physical appetites, but yet they're included as works of the flesh. So therefore, flesh means more than being driven by your animal appetites, but it is these lower appetites of wanting to be better than the next guy, wanting to, to, to um, this envying, thinking that, that I should have what the other person has, and it's unfair, and letting this, this anger out of control as, as the wrath of, uh, of man that doesn't work the righteousness of God, and as it comes out as we fight and we hurt and we devour and we divide and we break down here not just the marriage union, we break down our relationships with each other. And that's the context which we read, the entire context. We see there's division in the church where people are fighting and they're biting and they're thinking, I'm going to show you wrong and I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to... And he says, don't you see this, where this all leads? You, as you bite, you will be bitten and you will be devoured. And, you know, they're thinking, yeah, but I'm standing up for the truth. I'm standing up for the law of God. I'm being, I'm being righteous. But in their righteous, there's no love. And they are, they are uh, imposing, you know, their wrong understanding. And in the spirit, the spirit of it. It's not about God. It's about me being right and proving you wrong. And so we see these lower desires that are about my pride. That's what the brother prayed. Being driven not only by my physical appetites out of control, but my pride and my insecurity and how that works it out in my relationships with the people around me. This is a problem that transcends technology. This isn't something we're going to fix because we get the right drug or the right electronics. This isn't something that, that, that we can say, well, now that we've evolved to the, the, this, this century and millennia, we're, we're past all of that. These corrupting influences are inside of us. And our technology just enables us to use and be driven and do things at a bigger scale. I mean, just last week or so, you know, we were looking at the whole tragedy of what happened in Auschwitz, right? The... the um, the Holocaust, and in because the Germans were so efficient, and as part of my company's IBM's shameful past, that they even sold these computers to the Nazis and enabled them to do this at a scale and efficiency, and as they used railroads and they, they used typewriters, which was the machine uh, IBM machines of the day, I guess the business machines of the day. They were able, with that efficiency, to do this at a scale that had never been conceived of before, of exterminating people, of, of, of you taking this 
thought of these people are not worthy to live and implement that on the scale of millions. And it's a, it's a blot on, on our history that we thankfully still recognize is wrong, though some even deny exist, happened. And I think it's that Holocaust denial that is going on when we don't think these motives are running wild inside of us. And that we're all basically good. If we would just elect the right person and put the right structures in place, life would be good for everyone. You're dreaming. Because that's not where the problem is. Now here, it tells us the flesh lusts against the spirit with a capital S. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. It is somewhat reminiscent of the struggle we read in Romans 7, where we see again this struggle. I've kind of referred to it. I'm just going to read it. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. And we see Jesus himself in the garden saying, pray and fast because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Paul recounts of his own struggle, how he can't do the things he, he knows are right. And I find the law that I want to do good, evil is presently, for I delight in the law of God in the inward man. He's got a human spirit uh, that, that, that recognizes and is noble and understands what's right. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, my physical members here, my flesh. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body, the sarco of this death? So we see the state of man Without the Spirit of God, with their human spirit, we see this tension. We see this understanding of what is noble and good and right. And yet these driving forces of selfishness and destruction. And the spirit of man is not strong enough and end up being in captivity. And is dragged as an unwilling captive to do the things they know are wrong. That they feel guilty and dirty and depressed about doing and they feel wretched and then we have the spirit capital S of God which we've been studying we're studying all the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit can do about the guidance the the um, power the uh, illumination the communion here we see the answer. And, and if we would keep reading in Romans 7, we'd get to the same answer. This is Paul's answer to the basic human struggle that everybody has. I don't care what nationality, ethnicity, this is your problem. It was your problem 4,000, 6,000 years ago, 10,000 years. It's your problem today. This hasn't changed we can't say because we're technologically sophisticated and those people didn't know what a smartphone was, you know, it doesn't change the wretchedness 
that people feel as they are held captive to the force of the flesh. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse afterwards, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Again, very reminiscent of Romans 7, which is all about the law. It was about people having understood what is right, not even understanding from God what is right. Understanding the right set of morality, the right rules, they had them. It wasn't that they didn't figure out what they should be doing, but the law and their attempts to accomplish following those rules on their own led them to the state of wretchedness. But if you be led of the Spirit, and we, we talk about this liberty wherewith Christ made us free. And he talks about don't go back to the law. Don't go back to you trying to be good by your own efforts. You have something better. And if you go back to that, you're turning your back on all that Jesus has done for you. And he won't do you any good. But faith which worketh by love, you did run well, you know. He's talking about this false gospel about you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, even if you've got your head on straight and you know the right thing to do, you're setting yourself up for miserable failure. But if you be led by the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, so what, what's going on with this walking in the Spirit? Romans has got the, exactly the same ideas here, the same author of the Holy Spirit through the pen of Paul, there's no condemnation, he continues on, now to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Same words. What's, what's the key here to this struggle, this universal struggle we can all relate to? What he continues to say in Romans 8, what the flesh could not do in that it was weak. Jesus Christ, let me read it so I'm not misquoting it, I can be precise. <clears throat> For the law of the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness, now he's spelling out what does this mean? The righteousness of, of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you are relying on your intelligence, your power, your gifts, your innate things, 
you're not in a position, you're, you're in this futile position of attempting to please God. And your focus, your focus is always on the things that will bring you prestige and pleasure and power and will please your flesh and your, your pride. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. For if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The sarco, the flesh. We're not talking about you being physically dead in order to become a Christian. We're talking about your flesh. This whole set of motives and desires has to be crucified, has to die, so that the spirit, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, if he that raised up Christ from the dead will also make alive, quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify to make dead the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Again, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If ye live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. For they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now he's spelling it out. What is he talking about? This mortify says, crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts. You've got to die to the things that are driving you, that are your focus, that you have to, but if you just try to do that on your own willpower, you'll be frustrated. There has to be something to replace that vacuum. And that has to be the very Spirit of God. And what, what is the Spirit looking for? It's looking for a willingness to turn your back on these things, but not through your power, but through a dependence and through a willingness to be led. How many times have we read being led, walking, about a daily? It's not, I, I just listened to a song um, yesterday from, from Brad Kosicki where he's saying that it's not about a one-time decision. It's about my daily choices. That walking isn't that, you know, there was that time that I felt convicted and I decided to give my life to the Lord and that was a wonderful thing and that's what I base my confidence on. No, it's about a walking which is a continual action, a day-to-day -day action where I continue to be led by the Spirit on a moment-to-moment, -moment, on a continuous basis, right? For those that are mathematicians, right? We're looking at the integral here. We're not looking at a point in time. And this idea of submitting my will and being committed to following God as he takes up this vacuum, as he infuses, as the brother was sharing, my spirit and helps my spirit, which is too weak to do what it knows is right, that the Holy Spirit can now empower me to, yes, do what I know is right, and to not do the things that I know are wrong. And then there will be fruit of that. And we can see in me 
And I have to say to my shame, too often I see the wrong fruit coming out of me because by their fruits ye shall know them. And we can see, am I walking in the Spirit? Because if I'm walking in the Spirit, there will be evidence. Am I, have I crucified the flesh or am I allowing my flesh? Am I focused on the things of the flesh? Because you'll see what's coming out of me. Am I being envious? Am I being uh, uh, out of control and, and, and insecure? And uh, is there, am I backbiting? I mean, we see this in the church. We talked on Wednesday about you know, how we have unity through the Spirit and the opposite is the disunity. And it can happen even in the church when people are carnal in the way they deal with differences of opinion. And we see a lot of talk, a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of unbiblical ways of doing things, and they reinforce and divide and polarize, and this is, this is the fruit of the flesh. This is not the spirit, right? The spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You notice the contrast, the person who's being controlled of the flesh, they're out of control. The person who's led by the Spirit has temperance. They have self-control. Not by their power, but by the presence and abiding in the Spirit, by what we can read through the rest of the Scripture, by this conscious willingness to obey, this conscious uh, allowing the, the Word of God to dwell in us richly about allowing, and we read other passages about even our worship together here, as in the spirit and in truth as we allow God's, the, the worship of God to lift our spirit. A worship not only in song, but even in action and service as we would serve from a willing heart and as we would uh, allow the spirit to lead us. Then our spirit changes our mo the spirit of god changes my motives i no longer see you as my competitor i no longer see you as my threat i no longer see you as someone that i need to uh that is an obstacle we read earlier here that um as he was talking about this division and about whether i'm following the law and people think, well, if you don't follow the law, you're going to be at liberty to do all kinds of wrong things. And Paul counters that, that don't use your liberty as a cloak, as a cover, as to say, okay, you know that I'm a Christian and I'm saved. I can do what I want because my name's written in heaven. And, and, and I have this easy uh, believism. He says that that we don't use liberty as a cloak. For brethren, we have been called liberty, only use liberty for an occasion of the flesh that because I'm free, I can do what my flesh really wants. That's totally contradictory. That's not being walking by the Spirit. That's going back. And, and there's many people who, who follow the, the rules and the check marks and the, and the external laws, but they're walking in the flesh. And... You know, what you observe, they've got the check marks, but underneath there's the, still the same insecure, uh, flesh-driven motives. But by love, 
as opposed. Do not use liberty for an occasional flesh. I can take advantage of my religious cover to do what I really feel like doing. He says, no, it's about the motive. By love, serve one another. And we read all of 1 Corinthians 13 about what that means, about by love. And here we see the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And he says that, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even as this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If I loved you, and as I see you as someone that I love by the power of God, then you're not my obstacle. You're not my enemy. You're not my competition. You're an opportunity for me to, to um, express the love of God. Even if you're in opposition to what I think is right and good, you are still an object of God's love, not the wrath of man. You're an object that I can have peace in the presence of such opposition, the peace of God, because I understand that God's in control. It's not up to me and my ability to, 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 to control the situation. God is in control. I can have joy because I understand God's purposes are going to be fulfilled in that I am right with him no matter what happens in this situation. I can suffer a long time because I understand that Romans 8.28 still applies and, and I have a hope that goes beyond my circumstances. I'm not driven by my circumstances. These don't make me anxious. They don't make me insecure because I'm not about me and my security. It's the Spirit of God. It's the power of God and therefore it's Faith in those things which works out in my daily actions by love. My faith in God is, is worked out by love. And that's when we see this love and joy and peace and long-suffering. That's why I can treat you with gentleness. Even when you're pushing my buttons, even when you're opposed to me, I can be gentle. Like it says, the, the servant of God has to be gentle, leading people who are who've got themselves tied in knots to, to untie those things so they can recognize the truth in the snare of Satan. It, I can, God's goodness can flow through me. I can express his undeserved kindness and goodness. And I can trust in God. And because none of this is my doing, I can be meek in the process. And as we said, I can be temperate. <clears throat> There's that passage in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, or is it Lamentations, where he says that, that, that as a weaned child, that the goal is to be as a weaned child, the weaned child that knows that the parent, the mother, is going to give it food and doesn't have to be demanding right now, right here, I want my food, and, and I'm anxious and I'm insecure and I'm going to throw a temper tantrum until you feed me right now. But the weaned child has learned that their mother is good and can be trusted to provide that food. And we need to have that temperance driven by faith because we know God is good and all these things that I'm deprived and other peoples have and if I don't grab it now, I'll never be able to get it and all these things that lead me to take now what God wants to give me at the right time in the future. And it's that lack of temperance that leads to the drunkenness and, 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 and all these excesses that are destructive. But God, all these desires in your body are not wrong. 
They're wrong when you don't trust God's going to provide for them in due time, in his right way. And it's when I ignore God, and I think it's all up to me, and into my secure and control that, that things get out of hand and destructive. But as I trust God, as I faith which worketh by love is led by the Spirit, we can have temperance and meekness and faith and goodness and gentleness and long-suffering and peace and joy and love because now my ego is not involved. The ego is a big part of the flesh and that's what has to die and be crucified. And that's why he says, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another, summarizing this chapter about this issue they're dealing with, that the vainglory is like about me, about lifting myself, and about provoking and, and causing this anger. And, and it's, it's the flesh. And it's about my pride. It's about my insecurity. And that's what's got to die. It's what I got to trust God with. I got to just leave it at the cross. Believe that he is good and in control. And that as I follow his leading, even if it looks like I'm losing in the short run, I trust God to give me far above and beyond blessings in the long run. May the Lord bless his word.